What do you need to do to be saved? That's what we're going to be talking about today, specifically comparing what Protestants think about salvation with what Roman Catholics believe about salvation. You are not going to want to miss this episode. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today again on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are your hosts here, Tyler Hilly, here with Robbie Lashua. Good to be back, Tyler. Yep, we're... It's good to be back this week. Yes, we're very excited about this uh, series that we're continuing on Roman Catholicism. Yep. Uh, it's been really interesting because we've been having, like we said last week, uh, we've been having a lot of requests to cover this topic, and yeah. it's been something we've wanted to discuss and tackle with you guys head on, because uh, we know that there's a lot of confusion about... Um, the differences in beliefs, and th- this is something that's important to know. We need to talk about this. Yes. Uh, we need, as uh, apologists in general, we need to be aware of other worldviews, even within our own sect of Christianity. I'd say that's true, and I think that a, yeah. a big part of this is you really need to know what you believe Yeah, yeah. theologically. Like, you have got to understand, especially when it comes to today's topic of salvation. Like, this is the topic. Yeah, it is. What must I do to be saved? It is. It's huge. Yeah, so, so we got to understand this. We have to. We have to. And so well, we're very excited to get into to this topic with you guys today. But before we get into that, Robbie has a wonderful coffee tip that he would yeah, like to share. This is a funny coffee tip because it goes along with what we're talking yeah, about today. It's, it's so basically, um, there is this really cool method of making coffee. Now, I know on the show before, we've talked about uh, pour-overs, and we've talked about a French press, all of those types of things. This is called the infused coffee method, Hmm. all right? And here's what you do. Um, You can buy a a special infuser coffee pot, and what the idea is basically is that you make coffee in a similar way that you would make like loose tea. Okay. Uh, right. So this is what you do. In the infused coffee pot, or you could use a specific teapot if you wanted, you have a, a, a stainless steel mesh uh, filter that goes in the middle of the coffee pot. Okay. okay. So you put the grounds in this cylindrical um, filter, and then you put it into the coffee pot, and it holds it in place. And then you take the hot water, and you slowly pour over, kind of like a pour over. All right. You pour over the the hot water, and so it seeps in, and it opens up the smells and the aromatics and the oils in the coffee, and you fill up the coffee pot around the filter. So mm. a lot like a French press would be, right, where you have the grounds aren't being um, uh, diluted or anything right, by a paper right. filter. So it's, it's, it's just, just direct contact. Yeah, and it's being ex- extracted because it's just sitting all together yeah, at the bottom. You're yeah, you're infusing the water right, with the coffee. Yep. So the nice thing about this, though, that differs from a French press is in the method of being able to take sure, the, the sure. grounds out. Because with a French press, you know, you put it into the to the... Uh, carafe, and then you pour the hot water in, and you mix it up, and you leave it in there, and then you plunge, you push all of the grounds to the bottom. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the grounds are still staying in the bottom of that carafe in that coffee, and they're still infusing more into the coffee over time. Yeah, as long as you're leaving it in there, yeah. Yeah, so you can, if you leave it in there, you know, for even an hour, 
and then you drink it, that can become pretty bitter or pretty strong tasting coffee, which I kind of like, to be honest. I sure. even like when it gets a little particle <laughs> in it and it's gritty and yeah, right, a little bit sludge. I like that. But a lot of people don't because you want to get the coffee to its perfect spot and then be able to remove the grounds. And oh, that's yeah. what the infused method allows you to do. Because once you've left it in there for five or seven minutes, whatever you like, then you can just pop the whole filter of all the grounds out and you're just left with the coffee and it won't continue to steep and it won't continue mm, to infuse. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a really great way to control yeah, that, that does sound the method a, of making coffee. Right. And that does sound a lot like the like a tea brewing method. It is. So that's yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, it's that's very good. similar to that, but you can yeah, because we all have had tea where you leave the bag in, it just yeah, gets yeah, right, and then right? you pull it out or whatever. Yeah. yeah, coffee you can do that, but if you can take it out, you can preserve like the perfect cup of coffee. Oh right, exact yeah. specifications of what that's you great. want. So it's kind of a cool method. So you can buy you know an infuser coffee pot online; they're pretty cheap. But it, try it out. It's a, it's an interesting way to make coffee. Now the, the interesting thing is, and we're going to talk about infused righteousness, yeah, right. infused justification within the Catholic Church, and that's why we're going to talk about coffee infusion. Yeah, so it's a good play on words. I like salvation that. infusion. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to <laughs> today. Uh, but that's the coffee tip. Yeah, Buy awesome. a coffee infuser. Yeah, try it out cool. and see if you like it. If you like being able to control really precisely the exact type of coffee that you want. Yeah, so. that's thanks for sharing that. That was a yeah, good tip. It and is so, a cool tip. Yeah, it's a cool method of making coffee. Yeah. So uh, as for the topic for today, uh, just a slight recap on what we talked about last week because we're going to kind of carry over from that mm-hmm. idea and those concepts. And if you haven't already heard or watched or listened to that episode, uh, go back and do that because uh, we're kind of playing off of each episode in this series so you could get a, whole, a full picture of like, yeah. what's going on. Last week we did, should you trust the Pope? Should we trust the Pope? Yes. It was funny because a lot of the comments on social media and stuff were like, uh, I don't really like this pope. I really like yeah, right? John Paul. And you go, and they're saying, no, we're not talking about this specific yeah, pope. Yeah, maybe we phrased it weird. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're not. not talking about this pope. We're just talking about the whole idea of the papacy. Like, yeah, should, yeah. Do you, is do this we, office legitimate? Sure, sure. And that, that was the idea. Yep. And um, something that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has hinged on with that, like we said last week, is uh, the passage of Matthew 16, 18 yes. through 19. Yep. Right? And that, that's where basically it's just talking about uh, a Peter as the rock. Well, is what Roman Catholics They claim. believe Peter. The rock. They believe yeah. he was. But when you look at this passage, Jesus is using it as a general term. He's talking about the church as a whole being the rock, the foundation being on him, right? Yeah, being on the phrase, you know, you're the Christ, yes. the son of God. Yes, yeah. and for further explanation on that, again, uh, feel free to go back and listen to or view last week's episode. Yep. However, the focus of what we're going to be talking about today is the, the focus that the Roman Catholic Church, for the longest time, his claim that they were the key to salvation, right? Yeah, they, they were the successor of they Peter. They were the successor of Peter. Yep. The, the church itself was. Yes. Well, because the Pope is. Correct. He's the head of the Roman Catholic Church. Therefore, and, the church will be in that. Yes. And so Jesus, according to them, again, watch last week's episode to get our take on this. Mm-hmm. But according to them, Jesus put Peter in charge of the Roman Catholic Church, gave him the keys to the church, and told him, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, Mm -hmm. whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And they interpret that to mean um, that he can give salvation out here, and it'll count there. Yes, that is correct. Not just Peter can do that now, but the Roman Catholic Church is how salvation comes about. Yeah, so rather than from Christ alone, it's driven through the church, and that was the teaching. Yeah, Christ gives it out through the successor of Peter through the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, yes. And so to provide a little context with that, we have uh, some quotes here throughout history. 
Yeah, and, we want to read to you the, yeah. some of these um, Catholic quotes, so it's not our word against theirs. We're just yes, presenting what they right. believe. Um, so there was, the, in the 12th century, there was this group that uh, rose up, and they were trying to reform the Catholic Church, um, and they were separating themselves from the Catholic faith. They were still Christians, but they didn't want to be a part of the Catholic Church. So in the Fourth Lateran Council, which happened in 1215 AD, this statement was made by the Catholic Church. Quote, there is only one universal church of the faithful, outside of which none will be saved. Mm. So the Catholic Church made a statement, if you're not in with us, you cannot be saved, because there's only one church. Yeah, and it's us. That's right. The Roman Catholic Church. That's right, and th- that's very important to know. Yes, in that's their what they, that's <laughs> what that they thought for a long time. Yeah, that that was the way to salvation. Yep. You got another quote from Pope Pius yes. the Ninth. Yes, and this is from 1854. So, so, so more recent. Yes. Well, compared to that, yeah. <laughs> Twelve. We go from 1215 with that one. This is in 1854. Just for okay. uh, timing clarification. Uh, so basically, what happened here is uh, post, uh, Pope Pius the Ninth. Said it is to be held as a matter of faith that no one can be saved outside the apostolic Roman Church. Mm-hmm. It is the only ark of salvation, and anyone who does not enter it must sink in the flood. Which that's very serious because what yeah. what he's saying here uh, to kind of break that down is he's basically saying people who are not in the Roman Catholic Church are going to die and basically go to hell essentially yeah. and not be saved. In the same way that those who were not on the ark during the time of Noah drowned in the flood. That's exactly That's what he's right, comparing Tyler. it to. And wh- why why would he make this statement? Because he believed that they were given the keys to the church. Yes, whatever they loosed right. on earth, whatever they bound on earth would be bound or loosened. Yeah, earth. and that's a part that's, of it. That's that's mm-hmm. why that's he believes this. Now, an interesting part of this is, you remember last week we talked about the infallibility of the Pope, that when that's he right. speaks on matters of faith and morals, he speaks for God. So wouldn't you count Pope Pius's statements here as speaking for God? Yeah, that would be. So is it true that you have to be a part of the apostolic Roman church in order to be saved, and if you're outside of that, you'll perish or not? Well, he believed yep. that, that you had to be, right? So you would have to take that word, it, based off of their terms, you'd have to take that as that's what God's word says, or that's yes, what God the, is saying. Because the Pope said it. This yeah. wasn't just a bishop or somebody. Sure, it was the sure. Pope. Uh, uh, eight years later, so in 1862, Pope Pius IX also wrote this. He said, the church, by virtue of her divine institution, has the duty of most conscientiously maintaining the treasure of divine faith, unimpaired and complete and of watching with the utmost zeal over the salvation of souls. (laughs) So he believed that the church was given this duty to watch over and maintain what divine faith is and watch over the the salvation of people's souls, right? Yeah, that's a big deal. That is what they believe. You have to be a part of the Roman Catholic Church in order to truly be saved because it's the Catholic Church that God gave this power to. Yes, that's right. Through Peter. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And so it passed on over time. But the crazy thing is, is later at the Second Vatican, you see, and this is way later. This is from 1959. Uh, So about 100 years after Pope Pius said that. Yeah, roughly 100 years after. Um, What had happened is uh, at the Second Vatican, the Pope said the church was more of a mystery or a sacrament, meaning Mm -hmm. uh, at that point what he was doing is he was opening it up to the universal church, meaning to Protestants, as being able to be saved still. Yeah, that the Roman Catholic Church wasn't the only ark. They they were kind of changing their tune. 
Yeah, and that's crazy because you got to think all that stuff that we just read of saying that, yes, the church is the only way through salvation. This is where you got to go. And now they're kind of taking the swing in the other direction yep. is saying that the, this hierarchy of the church of where it's all coming from. Yeah, the bishop, the pope, the bishops, yeah, the Yeah, that, that, that doesn't matter now. It, yeah. it's, well, you, it does matter, yes. but not in the terms of how you can earn your salvation. Yes, not just to get saved. They even said— It's more of a at, sacrament now. Yeah, well, they even became, said yeah. at Vatican II, which was a, a council, they said at this council that the church isn't the institution. Right. The church is the whole people of God. Yes. Which this mm-hmm. opens it up to Protestants. So the, the Catholics don't believe that Protestants are going to hell because they're not part of the Roman Catholic Church anymore. Right. But they did used to. They did. And a that pope said that and they you taught would. That. And so that's the, that's the interesting part is if the, if the papacy is true and the pope is infallible when he speaks on matters of faith and morals, then you have to believe that Pope Pius IX was completely wrong in what he said because Vatican II totally turned that around. Yeah, either that or if you're genuinely believing in this, you just have to believe that God changes his mind, which that's not biblically accurate. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, and so, so within see, a hundred like year span, especially on the means of salvation, you think this would be very clear. Oh, yeah, and so you can kind of see, like, uh, and we've barely scratched the surface of this, but I hope sure. you can see as we're breaking this down that this is uh, there's a lot of kind of red tape here. Like there's there's things that they updating. Yeah, the updating like yeah. that's kind of a big deal. It, like they keep going back on their word, and so yes. it's it, it's getting really fishy and kind of strange with the way that they're changing things. Yeah, Vatican II was really. I think Vatican II was a great thing because sure, they sure. did they did a whole bunch that I thought was really needed for the Catholic Church. That's yeah, when they decided yeah. that Mass didn't have to be in Latin anymore. Uh, they decided that you could kind of open it up to more people, be more ecumenical with other um, uh, strains of Christianity. Yes, that's right. I think it's a really good thing, but um, but yeah, it makes you go, what about all the stuff you guys said before? Yeah, it's like, well, the, just the inconsistency is the issue, because it's like, you, you got to think, the people who were then living during that time frame of when yeah. it was uh, of when the church was saying all of this uh, like your salvation comes through us through the church yeah then uh, then those people were living in that versus today now we have uh, the people in the catholic church that are now being told oh it, it, church is just a sacrament well but they don't really like that's kind they, of a, they kind of say it but they don't really believe it because sure. of what they have to go through sure. to be saved themselves yeah, which but, is the but interesting, interesting part. thinking of the cultural differences there yeah. and everything that yeah, happened yeah and the, the the chronological difference right <laughs> yeah, like yeah, right. yeah and we wouldn't have a problem with this if a leader of an organization sure. said no we're going in a different direction the problem is when you believe the pope speaks on god's behalf yeah. Yes, th- yes, and it's contradictory, exactly. or it's opposite of what he'd said before. Sure. That's the problem. Well, let's talk about what Catholic theology teaches that you need to do to be saved. Now, this is really important for you to understand, viewers and listeners, that um, just because somebody's Catholic doesn't mean they believe the things we're about to say, mm. but they should, because this is Catholic doctrine. So we're looking at yeah. what does the doctrine teach, not the what do the followers say they, they do or believe, all right? We always have to go to the source on this. So in order to be saved in the institution of the Catholic Church, you have to follow the sacraments of the Church. The Catholic Church believes in faith and works salvation. They don't mm-hmm. think that it's by faith alone. They think it's faith plus works, and the sacraments are the works you need to do in order to get more grace. They believe in what's called infused justification, infused righteousness, infused grace, and it's that you you can get some by believing in Jesus, but that you need to get more of it through your work, 
So that if you do enough work, you won't have to spend as much time in purgatory purifying yourself from your sin and you can get into heaven quicker. That's yeah. that's the idea here, okay? So it's works-based and faith-based, but it's not faith alone at all. So they believe that a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Jesus Christ uh, to give us grace, all right? It's mm-hmm. an outward sign that gives us grace. And they literally mean you get it in you. You're infused with grace. We believe in imputed righteousness. Yeah. They believe in infused righteousness. And we're going to talk about imputed later. But they believe you actually get grace given to you to qualify you for heaven when you do these works. All right? So there's seven sacraments, and these are viewed as extending, redeeming acts of Jesus Christ, uh, that his body, the church, a.k.a. the Roman Catholic Church, is offering to the world, just like Jesus offered them when he was here. And if you do them, you can get his grace through them. So the seven sacraments are baptism, holy communion, confession, holy orders, matrimony, and um, extreme unction, or they call it the anointing of the sick. Um, so those are the seven. Was that seven? Baptism, and confirmation. confirmation. Oh, I missed confirmation. Yeah, yeah. And confirmation. Baptism, confirmation, holy communion, confession, holy orders, matrimony, and the anointing of the sick. Yep, so we want to. Yeah, we want to go through these real quick. We don't want to spend a ton of time on these, but just explain what the Catholic Church believes these sacraments are yes. and what these sacraments do for you. Yeah, and so with that, I'm going to start on just breaking down baptism. Now, we're going to break down baptism and communion a little bit more in a future episode. Yeah. Uh, however, for this one, we just kind of want to give you a general idea of what, how this works in terms of salvation. Yes. Uh, so for baptism, uh, basically we have from the, this uh, quote in the teaching of the Catholic Church saying, baptism is the sacrament that frees man from the original sin and from personal guilt that makes him a member of Christ and his church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, basically, baptism is the cleansing, right? And yes. It, it, but to us as uh, Protestants, uh, it's it's symbolic. And again, we're going to get more into that in the future, but it's it's a memorial. It's a representation. Yep. Uh, Catholics, uh, the Catholic Church belief is that you are genuinely being completely cleansed and free of your guilt and sin through the process of baptism. Yes. Of your original sin. Of your original sin and your sins up into that point yes that is correct so and that's so, key and and one of the verses mm-hmm. that they they point to for this is john 3 when jesus is talking with nicodemus when he says that you must be born again you must be born of spirit and water that's right they say that means that you are born of spirit and water at the infant baptism yes and that's where you get entrance that's where you're born again into the church mm-hmm. so this is a born again experience right this isn't about believing in Jesus. This is about you get baptized and then you're saved. Yes, that is absolutely right. And yeah. then, and then um, they kind of um, made up some different ordinances and like spe- specifications for baptisms at the Council of Trent, uh, where it yeah. was kind of confirmed on certain aspects of it. Like, well, in the council, let's make sure people understand. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Sure you're not up you on should, all of your yeah, Catholic right. councils. The Council of Trent was a Roman Catholic Church council that was. That happened in response to the Reformation. Yes. So this is in response to what Martin Luther was doing. They said, actually, no, we're going to make a clear statement on these things. Yes. And that, that's where this comes from. This so part that's about Thank baptism. Thank you for clarifying yes. that. That's good. Um, and so basically what had happened is uh, 
they confirmed some of these things by saying that water baptism is necessary for salvation. Yes, and, which, which we disagree with. Yes, we do. And on top of that, they they believe that infant baptism is legitimate, yep. and adult believers' baptism uh, was obviously, it was unnecessary if you've been baptized as an infant. Yeah, you didn't need to be baptized So it was one baptism, time, right? That's the, that's the yeah. idea that they confirmed here. They're saying it's one baptism. Uh, infant when baptism kid, can, yeah. can be considered as that believer's baptism or in your adulthood by submersion. Well, yeah, and what they were arguing here was that because there was a group saying we should be baptized as believers because that's what Scripture says, the Catholic yes. Church idea of works is ridiculous— so they're they're responding to no, it's it's not necessary for you to be baptized again if you were baptized as an infant. Yes, where the reformers, the some of them, the, the Anabaptists, were saying we're we should be baptized as believers because that's what we see in scripture. Yeah, and, and which yeah. which that's what we believe. It's a believers' baptism. Yeah, well, we're Anabaptists. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah, so. that's what we believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and so uh, that's basically giving you a rough idea. Again, we're going to break this down more in depth uh, mm-hmm. in the future episode. But the point is, is understanding um, the Catholic belief on baptism. It's it's the cleansing and the completely renewed from your original sin. Original sin and your sins up into that point, it's necessary for salvation. Yes. Right? Whereas believer's baptism or adult baptism isn't necessary. And faith alone is inadequate. Faith alone is inadequate. That's the main point. They said that. Mm -hmm. Faith alone is inadequate. You have to be baptized. This is a means of salvation. Yeah, that's a huge deal. And again, that's clarifying further yes. their ordinances of salvation. And Martin Luther was breaking away from the Catholic Church saying, we don't have to do penance. We don't have to. That's not what repentance means, right? Mm-hmm. And he was reading scripture because he could read it in Latin because he was a monk. He's saying the yeah, Bible right. doesn't teach what we're saying. And that's the thing. Other people couldn't research and study it because, and again, well, that's something we can get into further in the future. But yep. the point is, is like uh, Martin Luther was reading this and studying and coming and telling people about this. Because, it, like he said, it was written in Latin and people didn't know this. Yep. And so he was kind of the whistleblower on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the, the important part of baptism, too, to remember with the Catholic Church is they believe it removes your original sin and removes your sins prior to baptism, mm-hmm. but it does not remove future sins. Yes. Thank you. That is important to know. That's big, right? Mm-hmm. So as Christians, we believe nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, Romans says. Yeah. Right? Uh, not height, not death, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. In my life, some of the things to come is more sin. Oh, yeah. They would say, no, future sin's not covered by baptism. Yeah. And the Bible well, says nothing that, yeah. can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, not even future sin. Yeah. So, and, again, I don't think this matches up with what the Bible says. Yeah, I mean, and they, they, came, up, they came up with this statement a long time ago, and I don't think they've really changed their stance on baptism. No, it's, still, it's still a yeah. sacrament of the church. Mm-hmm. You need to do these seven things to get more infused grace. Yeah, and yeah. So, so it's a really big deal. Yep. The, the second that. sacrament is confirmation, and the idea of confirmation is it's a completion of the sacrament of baptism. Mm-hmm. What confirmation is, is when a, uh, a leader of the church lays their hands on you and they give you and administer to you um, to receive the Holy Spirit. So this is giving you the strength to profess what you believe. It's, it's kind of seen as like the maturity process sacrament. So you were born again, but you were kind of an infant. Now with confirmation, you are given 
uh, maturity bestowed upon you mm. through the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. So that's confirmation, the second sacrament. Now, also, Holy Communion, right, is a big deal, but we're going to talk about that next week. Yes. Um, we're going to really hit on baptism and Holy Communion, what what Catholics think they are versus what Protestants believe they are. And um, so we're not going to really talk about Holy Communion other than it's something you have to do in order to get more Correct. Christ. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, with that, too, we want to um, kind of get more in-depth on confession, though, yeah, uh, which is called penance. sacrament, right? Yep. Yes. Confession. Yep. And so, uh, again, like Robbie and I were just stating, like, like baptism, that cleanses you of your sin from the past, your original mm-hmm. sin. However, it does not cover future sins. Yes. Confession is a way that you can cover those future sins. That's exactly right. Yes. And so basically this idea of penance, what they call it, a good confession, it requires five things mm-hmm. out of you. It requires an examination of conscience— and then uh, sorrow for sins, a firm intention of avoiding sins in the future. So it's a genuine repentance. Mm-hmm. And then confession of sins, and then willingness to perform the penance determined by the priest. And this is where you'll see them say in confession, hey, you need to do um, five Hail Mary prayers. You yeah, stuff Hail like that. They'll tell you works to do in order to remove the sin exactly. that you confess. And, and now the reason that they do this is because what is believed in the church tradition uh, by the Catholic Church is that Jesus himself, through the priest, in the moment of confession and penance, is forgiving you of your sins. Yeah. It's not, and and this is important, they don't believe the priest forgives your sins. Yes, they believe he's a mediator. Now, effectually, that's what's happening. Sure. Is he's, yes, he's a, he is a mediator. Jesus forgives sins, but he is doing it through the instrument of the Roman Catholic Church, using the priest in order to confer yeah. the, the forgiveness upon you. Now, the, the right. danger here is, what if you get a crooked priest? Oh, Yeah. Which, which we've seen in the past. We've seen priests mm-hmm. who will only absolve you of your sins through confession if you do X, Y, and Z for them. I mean, yeah, that, and that's true. that's one of the things the Reformation was about. They were trying to build this big cathedral. That's right. And they were saying, hey, if you pay us, we will give you... The Pope was saying, if you pay me, I'll give you... Um, uh, letters of indulgence, so you yeah, don't have to spend also, as much time in purgatory. Yeah, and there was also uh, further indulgences where you could get rid of um, time for loved ones who were in who purgatory, were already in right? purgatory yeah. yeah, and that was like that was kind of the whole thing that the the Reformation happened over. Yeah, Martin Luther, uh, even in his ninety five yeah. thesis, he makes a statement and he says. If the Pope can give letters of indulgence to set people free from purgatory, why would he not, out of the goodness of his heart, just do, do it, it for everybody versus making them pay for it so he can build a cathedral? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very good question. It is. It is. Seems a little shady. It is. And that, that's a big deal to know. And so uh, the thing is, though, is uh, th- this idea that Jesus is like the mediator through the you know, the priest, the bishop, the priest, uh, like, the the mediator, priest that's yeah. who it is. Uh, sorry. Uh, the priest is the mediator for, on behalf of Jesus to forgive yep. the sins. Uh, it, it's a bi- big deal. And that, that's kind of the belief that's going on. And a really quick side note. Um, and again, we're, we're breaking this stuff down too in future episodes, but even, uh, just like in the past week with the whole coronavirus stuff going on, mm-hmm. uh, the Pope came out and made a statement since people can't be attending mass due to c- coronavirus sanctions yeah. that he said, Oh, you can temporarily, Confess your sins at home in, uh, directly to the Lord by prayer mm-hmm. on your own time, and that can count as confession. As coming and doing it through the church. Yeah, right. and so and so it's like, why? Like, then that's basically he just permitted the Catholic Church as a whole to do what Christians 
have been doing already for yeah, forever. Protestants, yeah. yeah, Protestants, and what we should like, what we should be doing, because yeah. we have the freedom to do that. Well, because Scripture says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Yes, exactly. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he prays and petitions God on our behalf. It is, and, and the temple curtain Jesus. was ripped and broken, and there's nothing separating us anymore from God. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so and so we that's can the focus here. boldly approach the throne of grace. I think Paul says. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, great. all of these things. I love is, that. You just go, come on, guys. Now, this is the interesting question, Yes, If I was a Catholic, I would believe that the Pope has authority to say you don't have to come to Mass for a time. You can just confess at home. But the question that comes up with what the Pope has recently said and what the Pope was doing in the Reformation is, Mm -hmm. why, out of the goodness of your own heart, wouldn't you just let people confess their sins directly to God at home? Why do they need the middleman? If you yeah. can do that because of a virus, why can't you just do that all the time? That's my point exactly. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Robbie. That's I think that's absolutely true. Because the thing is, you got to see like through that mm-hmm. and through this time right now with that that this is. I mean, they're full of it. I'm just being honest. Like it, this is just there's so much stuff in the way that 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 the Catholic catholic church is proposing and, mm-hmm. and basically we're seeing it through 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 scripture too we're break as yeah. we're breaking it down here like like for example we as christians we believe that the one mediator and way to get to the, get to heaven is through christ yes and and, and through that we have uh, several passages i want to just read over here really quick we have in first john 1 9 uh, it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Right? And then... Uh, well, and we believe that, but how does the Catholic Church interpret that? Well, they interpret that as you have to go through a mediator. Yeah, if you that, confess right? your yeah. sins to a priest who God has given the authority from Peter as the rock... Yes, that's right. Then that's the... that's So they believe that that's true. Oh, of course. But of the course. method of doing it, the means of achieving it is through them. Yes, that's Not right. you can just go directly to God. Yeah. Yeah, and so and then again too, we see uh um this is and this is after Jesus resurrected. He said this yeah. in um John 20 verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven to them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Yeah, and and Jesus said that to 10 of his disciples cuz mm-hmm. Thomas it's it then says that Thomas wasn't there. This is when Jesus visited them before Thomas was That's there. That's right. Um so yeah, if you forgive any sins, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain sins, they've been retained. So if if Peter who was there has the power to do this, they believe that the church still has the power to do that. Yeah, and yeah. that's the idea. And so So confession is one of the sacraments that you have to do in order to be forgiven, not relationally, judicially, mm-hmm. to get more grace given to you in order that you can be qualified for heaven. Yeah, and it's a big deal. And so that yeah. this is a big point of that whole um, sanctification process and getting salvation. Yep. Yeah. All right. The next sacrament, um, holy orders is one, and then matrimony is another. Holy orders is basically the um, a sacrament that involves the offices of the church, bishops, priests, deacons, and they they can um, confer on people, they can lay hands on people, and the church has the ability to give spiritual power and grace to others uh, through these holy orders. Mm-hmm. That's That's basically the idea that there's this holy ordination to the offices that these people are special and there's a sacrament there that can be given them that was given authority from God and then matrimony or marriage is is the next sacrament and um, I have a quote here uh, from the Council of Florence this was from 1439 the Catholic Church at the Council of Florence declared quote a triple good attaches to matrimony 
The first is the begetting of children and their education to the worship of God. The second is the faithfulness which each spouse owes to the other. The third is the indissolvability of marriage because it represents the indissolvable union of Christ and the church. Mm. So marriage is important to Catholics. And a lot of people know this culturally. Catholics have oh, yeah. big families, right? Yeah, that's marriage right. is a big deal. So the Roman Catholic Church puts a huge emphasis on marriage. Divorce is forbidden. It's a big time sin. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a mortal sin. It's mm. serious sin to them. Um, and also abortion and birth control are a big sin because matrimony, which has three important aspects to it, one of them is procreating children and raising them to know the Lord. Yeah. So abortion, birth control, divorce, huge sins uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. And and I mean, I, I think I think that abortion and I think that divorce is a sin. Yeah, yeah. And so killing obviously, is a sin, divorce like, is a sin. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we, we have a lot of similar principles. Yes. But the thing is, is when we, we talked about this last week. It's not the similarities that matter. It's the differences. Yes. That's what's important. Yep. So we, that's what we're here to address. But Yes. I've never, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm just speculating here. But it's interesting that there is a vow of celibacy for priests and nuns. But marriage yeah. is one of the seven sacraments of works you need to do well in order to. I've always thought grace. that was strange. Yeah, I, they they must have an answer for it. I just don't know it. Sure, sure. Yeah. We, that's something we didn't research prior to this. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. And we we got to be honest. Anytime we haven't, we anytime we don't know something, we're going to tell you we don't know. So yeah. that's the case. But uh, unless we don't know that we don't know it, and then we can't say it. Wow. There we go. That's, know, that's, that's a really deep yeah. take, right? That's <laughs> deep tracks with Robbie and Tyler. <laughs> there we go. All right, seventh sacrament of the Catholic Church. <laughs> yes, and so that is going to be anointing of the sick, mm-hmm. right? And so um, this idea is uh, basically, and I'm just going to kind of read uh, a quote really quick from, uh, and th- this is just another teaching of the Catholic Church that we have here. It says, uh, basically, when you're anoint- the anointing of the sick removes that state, which might be an obstacle to the clothing with glory, of the resurrection. And as every sacrament makes us men in some respect like Christ, so we become by extreme unction like the risen Christ, because it will be given to the dying as a sign of the glory to come. Mm-hmm. And so basically when it means by anointing of the sick, it's not talking about like people who just have like a cold and you're coming, sure. you know, it's like, it's people who are dying basically. Yeah. It's, it used to be called, um, it's it's called anointing of the sick now, but there there were uh, kind of like last rites, right? Extreme unction. Sure. It's kind of like the last sacrament you do before you die. Yeah, was the yeah. idea. But the Catholic Church they switched that and they said no, it's not it's not just for like people that are dying. Sure, um, it's it's about the sick. Right, right, because you're not like literally on your deathbed uh, in this yeah. case. Well, it's a like, lot of times you are, of course. But they course. They, they just kind of switch what they call it. But it is an important sacrament to them because it's kind of like the last absolving of sin. Well, yeah, of course, because uh, you got to think about it, right? Uh, and again, on the idea of confession, mm-hmm. it's that you need to come regularly to be forgiven yeah. of your sins. Yeah. So this is kind of like the final confession. It is. In a way. It is. No, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what this That's is. What it's it final is. confession, mm-hmm. final rites, the priest praying over you to confer mm-hmm. you well for the. It's 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 a yeah. work. And you so need a to lot of times, you that's why there are like priests that, that like uh, that um, are hanging around in hospitals or hospitals because yep. the thing is they come to people on their deathbed. Yep. And they do they perform this sacrament with them. Yep. They come to them because obviously if you're sick and you're or you can't yeah, you can't come you're bedridden you can't come yeah you also can't come to mass which is a, right a, it's a sin if you don't come to mass on holy days sure, sure. Uh, and if you know you're supposed to go regularly it's a sin so right. they have these things so the church is aware 
They're like, obviously, if you, it's out of your control and you, you can't come, yeah, then we, ha- can we need to do you. something for that. So this is kind of the church's answer yeah. to that issue. Yeah. So, and, and again, that's the kind of the, the last main... Yeah, those are the seven yeah. sacraments. These are the things you need to work hard at doing regularly well in order to earn grace. Yes. Now, the opposite side of that would be sin, right? If good yeah. works are infusing more grace into me, sin is, uh, I guess I'd say, leaking grace from me. Yeah. Right? That's um, right. So the, the, the Catholic Church breaks up sins into a couple of categories. The, the main categories are venial sins, which are kind of like lesser sins, not as big a deal, and mortal sins. Um, now, this is important as Christians for us to understand in ethics. I hear Christian pastors, uh, youth pastors, Christians in general say this all the time, and it's half true. I've heard people say, uh, all sin's the same to God. I've heard that. Yeah, it, in one sense it is, and in one sense it's not. Um, people say this a lot, and um, we need to be very careful in what we mean by this. Um, because I actually, I've seen Catholics say, yeah. Christians say that, and that's just ridiculous. And they're right. They are right. I it would agree ridiculous. with them on that. So we believe all sins are equally wrong in the fact of they make us guilty and we can't go to heaven. Right. Right? James, Jesus' brother, says if you've transgressed one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Yeah. So a little white lie is enough to condemn you as a sinner forever and you're done. Yeah. And that's what we believe. We believe that. So it's all equally wrong in order to qualify us or disqualify us from being with God forever. But we also all know that all sins aren't equally bad. They're all equally wrong, but they're not all equally bad. And, and we instinctively, I think, in like human nature, we have that instinctively put we in us. We know this is true. Because look at, just look at our justice system, right? Well, let me, let me say though, what I mean by yeah. bad before we oh, jump sure, into sure, examples. Oh, sure, 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 of course. What I mean yeah. by bad is that they don't all have the same consequences. Mm-hmm. They don't. There's some sins that are worse than others, and everyone watching or listening, you all believe that to a level. Yeah. You want to yeah. explain some examples of that? Of course. That? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you clarified that because yeah. that's important because the thing is, is uh, like, like in our legal system, you can see we have harsher crimes for the the law. Harsher like, punishments sorry, har- for Harsher punishment crimes. for the crime. Yes. Uh, my apologies. I rephrased I phrased that kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah, that's the idea. Like, obviously, you're not going to sentence someone to life in prison over uh like 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 say you were like a kid and you stole from like a get like the convenience store sure you stole some skittles yeah you stole some skittles from a convenience store right is it wrong of course it is of course it's wrong but the, i don't think the cr- the punishment of life sentence in prison fits the crime of stealing skittles yes however you were well, going into the grocery into the convenience store shooting the clerk mm-hmm. killing him and then stealing the skittles that's different because murder's t- different. yeah, murder's different, right? See, so like, and we Why? know that because, because stealing Skittles and murdering a human being, murdering's worse. It is, yeah. And we all know and that's this. a big deal. And all laws in all <clears throat> countries in all governments are built on this idea that these things aren't as bad. They're all bad, but these things running a, running a stop sign is not as bad as oh. rape. It's just oh, not. Yeah. And That's we right. all know that. So all sin's equally wrong to make us guilty before God. But all sin is not equally bad. And so, and so as Christians, we got to yeah. stop saying, all sin's the same in God's eyes. The, yes, in and one no. sense. And no, in another sense. It's not. And God even tells us this in the Bible. He says, these are sins that I hate. These are abominations to me. So God has classifications of Well, sin. and not only that, we see examples of God punishing sins differently in certain scenarios. Yes. We do. Like, obviously, uh, you don't 
genuinely believe like David was perfect up until the point of when he <laughs> sinned with Bathsheba. Like no. he had sin in his life. Yes. But obviously killing your best friend in sleeping with his wife is a big is deal. a big deal. And that was a big deal to the Lord. And so that's why he was punished differently for that, right? Yes. And, but obviously there there was other stuff going on, right? I mean, David had other wives and concubines. Like he, he sure, did he had other, other sin things. in his life. Yeah, he had other sin in his life. And so that's kind of something that we have to be mindful of is we even have like biblical examples of this happening. Of course. All the time. And so it's like And the, the word of God explicitly says there's sins yeah. unto death and there's sins not unto death. Exactly. John says that. And so it's something we have to be mindful of. And and this yes. is something we would agree to to a good level. I would with, agree with, with Catholics, Catholics on that. That all sins are equally wrong, but they're not yes. all equally bad, and they'd agree with that. Yeah, but yeah. They, so they break them up into two different categories. Mm-hmm. They have venial sins, which are sins that aren't as bad, right? And mortal sins, which they'd say are very, very, very bad. They used to be called cardinal sins, right? You've heard that. Oh yeah, cardinal sins, mortal sins. Um, now here's here's what's interesting about this um, separation of of the types of sin. A mortal sin is that's the bad one, right? The really mm. bad one. In order for it to be a mortal sin, there's three things that have to happen. The first is it has to be a serious sin or grave matter. So not a white lie, but like murder or suicide or rape. It has to be like a big sin, like what we would all classify as, yeah, yeah that's really bad. Divorce, they would throw in there, okay? So these are big deals. So it has to be a grave matter, the, the action. Um, the second thing is you have to know it's a grave matter. Yeah, so you correct. have to be aware that this is a big deal. It's the awareness of sin. Yep. And third, you have to freely choose to do it anyway because you don't care. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a grave or a mortal sin. A cardinal sin is when it's a really serious sin, murder, rape, divorce. You know that it's a serious sin and you don't care and you choose to do it anyway. Yeah, that's what they, they would classify it as. They would say that if you have a mortal sin, and you don't confess and repent of it, and you die, you go to hell. Mm. Okay? So mortal sins basically effectually erase the grace you have. Even if you had been baptized as an infant, even if you had been confessing for a while, if you commit a mortal sin and you don't repent of it before you die, then you go to hell. Yeah. So that's, that's why, right. again, that's why extreme unction or anointing of the saint last rites is a big deal. Oh, yeah. Because if you had committed a mortal sin, we're going to come and we're going to help you repent of that <laughs> yeah. and confess that before you die. Because if you don't, you'll go to hell. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And obviously, that's something that you got to think as a Catholic, you're going to want to be mindful of. Yeah. And and so so this is, again, as a, as a Protestant, you're out there going, that's works-based salvation. Yes, exactly. It is. Catholic salvation is works-based salvation. Mm-hmm. It's dependent on what you do, what sacraments you follow, which sins you commit, and making sure you're confessing regularly and you're being absolved of those sins and you're being forgiven of those sins by Jesus through the priest in order that when you die, you don't have a whole bunch of sin t- chalked up to your account. Yeah, that's Now right. you'll say, wait a second, I thought Jesus paid it all. Yes, that's what Protestants believe. We believe yeah. Jesus erased all of that from our account, but Catholics do not believe that. Yeah, they believe basically that Jesus was the one who made it possible for you to earn your salvation and the way he gives grace isn't through you believed and it was credit to you he gave you the opportunity to work for it he gives you these sacraments to do as administered through the church and see that's why it's so important that we define terms with people right when we're breaking down belief systems yes when you say salvation what does that mean right because that's the thing you talk to a catholic and they'll tell you yes i believe that salvation is given to me through jesus yes 
they don't mean the same thing that you think they mean. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's, it's not the same belief. Yeah, yeah. And, and with that, I, I even want to share a passage, uh, too. This is from Galatians uh, 2.16. Uh, it says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that way we may not be justified uh, sorry, that way we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Yeah, in your Bibles right now, if you're not driving, um, open up to Galatians 2.16 and highlight, underline, bracket, Yeah, memorize this verse. Because there's like three or four times where Paul says it's not about the works. Yeah, and you could read that all throughout the whole book of Galatians even. Yeah, that's, that's what the whole book's about. That's the driving point of the book. But this, this summarizes it really well. Yeah, you will not be justified by your works, but through faith in Jesus, right? Yeah, and again, justified mm-hmm. by faith in Christ, not by works of the law. Right. Because by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So he couldn't be more clear. So if if what the Catholic Church is teaching about salvation isn't true— what then do we as Protestants believe? Well, first of all, mm. we don't take papal authority to be an authority. Yeah, so right. So Scripture, as interpreted through the Pope, we don't believe. We say, let's just go straight to Scripture and see what it says. Here, Paul makes a very, very strong argument that it's not about works in order to be justified. Yeah. So as, as Protestants, what do we believe salvation is? What do we believe... Um, to be saved means. There's three aspects to salvation for for Protestants, all right? There's what's called justification, sanctification, and glorification. These are like the three aspects of what we call salvation. Right. So what do they each mean? Justification is a, a legal forensic term, and this is how you need to remember it. Justification is being freed from the penalty of sin. Justification is being freed from the penalty of sin, right? We all deserved death. We all had been gone astray, right? Mm -hmm. The wrath of God abided on us, but because Jesus died on the cross in our place, taking on our sin, we now are freed judicially from the penalty of separation from God, and we can be back in a relationship Mm -hmm. with him. So justification, freedom from the penalty of sin. Um, This is where the Catholics believe to be justified, you have to have infused righteousness. Yes, that's right. Which is you do all this work and you get more grace in you and more grace applied to your account so that you don't spend as much time in purgatory. And then if you sin, it takes away the grace, right? That's what they believe. We don't believe in infused righteousness. We believe in what's called imputed righteousness. An imputation is this forensic term, it's a legal term, that denotes placing or Mm. reckoning to someone's account merit that they've earned or that someone else has earned for them. And we believe in the imputed righteousness of Jesus, meaning his perfect life, when we believe in him, gets applied to our account. It's not infused over time through work, it's given as a gift. That's right. It's given freely to those who believe. So we believe we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone, right? And that's that's the Reformation cry. Yeah, that, that's Sola what it is. Sola fide, right? <laughs> yeah, Solus like, Christus. Yep. It's just Jesus. It's just faith. It's just scripture. Not mm-hmm. pope, not sacrament, not work. That's what we believe. So justification is one aspect of being saved, and that's when we're freed from the penalty of sin. Yeah. The second is sanctification, and this is being freed from the power of sin. 
Uh, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. When you believed in Jesus, you were given the Holy Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, if you abide in Christ, like John 15 says, then the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in your life. Yes. And right. it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, all these things. And... Uh, sanctification is the process of being freed from the power of sin in our life because we all still sin and we all yeah. still have desires that well up that that can control us and enslave us back to sin, to who we used to be. We've been freed from the penalty of it, so we're going to heaven. But in this life, God wants to free us from the power of sin mm. in our lives to give us a victory over sins here and now. And that power is there and it's possible because the Holy Spirit resides in us, if we'll abide in Christ, yeah. if we'll walk in the Spirit. Now, how well you're being sanctified has no bearing on your justification. Yes, that's that's if, absolutely If you don't true. walk with God well, it doesn't mean you're not saved. You're saved, it's done, judicially adopted, you're a son, it's, it's yeah, over. Yeah, it's because the thing is, nobody can do that. That's nobody can live perfect. Nobody can, can fully live in that justified state. Yep. Without the sanctification process, of none of us would ever make it. There's been no, no person to completely eradicate sin from their life. Yeah, yeah, that's there hasn't. Or to have more good than bad. All of these things, it can't mm. be. Jesus was perfect, and he his perfect work applies to me. That's the only way to be justified. So justification is the freedom from the penalty of sin. Sanctification is the process that you're in now if you're a believer, and you're being. Um, conform to the image of his son, right? That's yeah, the idea. Yeah. You're, you, and if you allow him, he'll change you and he'll develop you and he'll mature you. And then glorification is being freed from the presence of sin. And this is when we are given our perfected bodies, we will no longer have sin infecting our flesh and we'll be freed from the presence. Mm. So justification freed from the penalty, sanctification freed from the power glorification freed from the presence of sin. And I think this is clearly taught in Scripture. Now, we don't want to confuse justification and sanctification and make them the same thing because then you will have works-based salvation. Yeah. And that's what's happened with the Catholic Church. If if sanctification makes me saved, then it's about how well I perform. Yeah, and that's where it gets dangerous because then you start depending on... You start depending on stuff that's not... Eternal, right? Like you're depending on yourself. You're depending on things of this life, yeah, to get you to heaven. And yeah, that's not that's and, not and what my work says. and yeah. my merit. And Scripture speaks directly against this. You just read Galatians. Yeah. Um, let me read Ephesians two eight and nine. This is a familiar verse to many Christians. Uh, a lot of people memorize this. Paul says in Ephesians two eight and nine, "For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Mm. What's the gift? Grace." Grace is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. It's not about your works. It's not about how well you keep the sacraments. It's about did you trust in what Jesus did for you? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it, it. It's It's very mm-hmm. clear. I think it's very clear. You've got another passage from Paul from Romans yeah. 4. Yeah, and this is crazy because this is where we, we get Old Testament kind of idea. Yeah, he's of showing in the Old right? Testament that this concept was true. Yeah, because the thing is, is you may say, well, what about people who follow the old law, right? Well, he says, well, he answers that. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See that credited, that's like the imputed idea. Yeah. yeah. It's not because he earned it. No, it was, he had faith. He had belief. And that's what it says. It's again, it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so with that, it also says now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. Mm -hmm. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who just, justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Yeah, and then it quotes what David said about this later in in verse uh, 7 of Romans 4. Right. But I think that's an important aspect is... I like how he says, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor. Could you imagine going to your boss and you're getting your paycheck and he's saying, hey... I really hope you appreciate me giving you this paycheck because I'm so nice and I'm so benevolent. And you'll say, no, I earned I that, man. I worked for that. Yeah. Like, you're not nice. You're not giving me a gift. My wage isn't a down. gift. You're breaking it down perfectly. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, is, is uh, too, like Catholics, say they don't understand it that way because the uh, their mindset on it is that, oh, well, Jesus made it to where we can work for this. So that's the grace. Yeah. But but see, that's just count, that's against what we're reading here. Yeah. That's it's not idea. what you are. How can it be a gift of God if it's something you earned? Right. Yeah. Could you imagine yeah. at Christmas your kids saying, hey, I'm going to do some chores so I can earn that gift. No, <laughs> right. that's, a gift is free. A that's gift isn't idea. something you earn. That's called a, a wage or a reward. This yeah. is free gift. So I think Paul spells that out very clearly. I love this passage too from 1 John 5. Uh, this is 1 John 5, 9 through 13. Uh, John says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. Hmm. The one who believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, Hmm. that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm. Belief gives you eternal life. It's a gift that God gives. If we trust him, he gives us eternal life. And I think it's important to see that he says, he who has the Son has the life. Right, And I wrote these things to you so that you'd know you have eternal life. Has and has and have there are present tense. This is important for us as Christians. Because it doesn't mean you have the potential to later on earn eternal life, maybe unless you commit a mortal sin and Mm, die before confessing it. It says you have it right now. You possess it presently. The other thing about this that I think is interesting is the Bible calls it everlasting or eternal life. Yeah, that's a good point. The, okay, the idea that you get eternal life means that it is eternal. Isn't that the adjective explaining it? Yeah. Catholics don't believe that you get eternal life. They believe you get the potential to maybe have eternal life. That's, yeah. Or you have temporarily might have eternal life. Yeah, because they believe temporarily have flaky. Yeah. You can't temporarily have something mm-hmm. that's eternal. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't. And, and that's the thing. That's the issue here. It's uh, it's it's honestly like like what we gather from overall, just from what we've seen, is that there. Uh, 
the Catholic Church in the teachings that we're presenting here is totally counter to what Scripture teaches. It is. And we, we full-heartedly believe that. And, and, and it's sad because the thing is, is you see, like, obviously, uh, this isn't a thing of, like, a, uh, like you know, a cult that's so far off from the truth. Sure. Uh, such as, like, Mormonism or uh, Hindus or Buddhists. Uh, they're so close. They even have, like, the true Scripture mm-hmm. and the idea of, the, like, of Jesus and who he is. But, but it, it's just there's all this... Uh, political stuff that well, the, the miss, throughout church The misstep was believing that the Pope is a thing yeah. and that Scripture has to be interpreted through that and through the traditions of the church, whereas we should maybe just go to the Scripture and, and see what it says. Like, yeah, like this and, is and what and it's that's, about. And that's what we want to do right now is just give you, here's what Scripture mm-hmm. says about the church. Uh, in the show notes, I'm going to list like 60 verses mm. that clearly teach uh, salvation by faith alone. Yeah. Uh, and so if you if you want to check those out, they'll be listed in the show notes. But let's get into something I think is very interesting. The Gospel of John. All right, the Gospel of John is a very important um, uh, piece of Scripture for us yes, because of the purpose statement, because of John telling us why he wrote his Gospel. And so, Tyler, you have that Scripture, right? Yeah, you want to read right the purpose statement of John. Yeah, and so it says, and this is in John 20, verses 30 through 31. Again, grab your Bible and underline it. John yes. 20, 30 through 31, the 20, statement of the Gospel of John. 30 through 31. Yeah. What does he tell us the reason he wrote was? Yeah, so it says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, purpose statement of John. Jesus did a whole bunch of miracles. This is right after the resurrection is documented in his gospel. Yeah, that's right. Jesus did a whole bunch of miracles. We didn't have time to write them all down. (laughs) Uh, Right? Right, yeah. But what I wrote in this book, I wrote so that you could believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God, and Mm -hmm. that by believing you'll have life. Yes. Right? That's right. The purpose statement of John is the whole book is about evangelism. I wrote all this stuff down so you could believe it. Yeah. And that's that's how you get eternal life. Okay, so if that's the purpose statement of John, we maybe should look and see what does John say you have to do to be saved? Yeah, I'd agree to that. That's right. Right? Because he's not talking about um, sanctification necessarily. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about glorification. He's talking about justification. What do we got to do to be saved? And this is interesting to me. The Gospel of John uses the word believe about 92 to 95 times. Yeah. Okay, so that seems to be kind of a key theme. Now, here's the kicker. The word repent isn't used even once in the Gospel of John. Not even once. So we have to conclude that repentance isn't necessary in order to be saved if he didn't use the word in the book that he says is about how you get saved. Yeah, that's accurate. Make sense? So that's a huge deal. So let's go through, Tyler, and let's look at some verses. What does John say you have to do to be saved? All right? You got the first one, right? John 1.12. Yes, and so it says, but as many... As received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. There you go. There we go. Receive him, believe in his name. You become a child of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to read John 3, 15 through 18. This is when Jesus is talking with Nicodemus at night. Listen to how many times he's clear about what you have to do to be Mm -hmm. saved. These are Jesus' words. He told Nicodemus, quote, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mm. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he who has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yeah. Clear. Very How clear. do you get eternal life? You believe in Jesus. Yeah, and then again— He says it multiple times. Again, yeah. And then again, we have it in John uh, 3.36. So just a few verses later. Uh, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey, uh, um, believe the Son, will not see life. Uh, and But the wrath of God abides in him. And again, I'll repeat that since I started a bit there. Well, and here's, here's the interesting thing is, yeah. in in the, the New American Standard, it says, um, but he who does not obey the Son. Yeah, correct. But when you look at what the obeying is referring to, is it's referring to obeying to believe. Yeah, exactly. So some people mm-hmm. will translate this, who does not believe. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, that's why I put the believe in there. That's right. Okay, right, right, yeah. right, that's why, yeah. And so that's the whole idea of it. And so it's, uh, yeah, again, it just, uh, believe the son will not, I mean, who does not believe the son will not have life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That's the idea of it. Yeah. If yeah, you believe, you have life. Yeah, exactly. Eternal life. Not so you it, might get it. Right, right. There's the has again, which is present tense, right? <laughs> He yeah. who believes in the Son has it. Yeah, so he keeps driving it home, basically. This is yeah. the gospel. That's okay, it. let's keep going through the mm-hmm. gospel of John. And we're skipping a bunch of verses. Oh, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to highlight a few. John five twenty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Yeah. How do you get eternal life? You believe. All right, what's John 6.40 say? Yeah, John 6.40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. See, no mention of repentance, no mention of works, no mention of you got to do these things, no mention of confession. Yeah, and you got to think, if that's the gospel, to add in all of this— why would that in one not be all summarized in one statement multiple times like this is? Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is clear. The Gospel of John is about how you get saved, yeah. justified. And it goes and on. he's we have clear more. about its belief in Jesus. Yeah, let me read um, John six forty seven. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Mm-hmm. Has yeah. it. And then again, uh, we see in uh, John eleven twenty five <laughs> through 27, uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Yep. And that was right? to Martha after her brother yeah. died, right? Yeah. And, and she, yes, I believe that, right? <clears throat> Jesus is clear. So so this is fascinating to me because, again, I think that all Scripture is inspired by God. Sure. I think Jesus is yeah. God, so I think Jesus inspired Scripture. But all of these statements are on the lips of Jesus when he oh, was yeah. a human being here. He's being very clear about how you get saved. It's through belief, belief, belief. And if you believe in the Son, you have eternal life. Not you have the potential to keep it. You have to earn it more. Mm. You have to do better works. It is clear throughout Scripture that it is not about works. Now, 
Some of you may be saying, what about James chapter 2, Robbie? Faith without works is dead. Hey, listen, the second podcast we ever did was on (laughs) that exact topic. Go listen to it because we show you what James is talking about when he's talking about faith without works is dead. And it's about living out your faith and helping other people. He doesn't say that you go to hell if you have a dead faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So go listen to that. Um, And Paul shows that justification before God is through belief. James is talking about justification before people. How do people know that I love the Lord? Well, of course, it's by what I do. Yeah. Because how yeah. else can people know who I am and what? Right. So <laughs> go listen to our second podcast ever, and I hope that'll clear it up. But Scripture is clear that the way to be mm. justified before God, in order to enter heaven, to become a son of God, to be born again, is through belief, not through infant baptism, not through confession, not through all of these other mm. works. You can't do enough good work to earn God's favor because you have to be 100% perfect to be with God. None of us is 100% perfect, therefore we can't be with God. We needed the guy who was 100% perfect to take on all of our crime and our crap Mm. and our sin and kill it in himself and then impute his perfection, his righteousness to us. That's the only thing that can qualify us to be with God forever. And that's what Scripture teaches uh, is, is salvation. Yeah, and I think just in general, it's just the, this beautiful picture of what the gospel is, because because that's the that's the good news, right? That's the yes. good news. It's that we don't have to work. You don't have to do anything for your salvation. It's just freely given to you. Yeah, how is it good news? That's a good point, Tyler. How is it good news that God has provided a method for you to try to work off your sin? No, it, it's not. That's been around forever. Yeah. That's not even new news, right? No. It's, uh, yeah. The Buddhists were trying to do this. Uh, Muslims have been trying to do it. Mormons are trying to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. Uh, how is that even new? It's not even new news, right? That's, that's I mean. man-made religion. Yeah, and so, uh, but but something to keep in mind with all this too is just uh, realizing <laughs> the fact that uh, as a Catholic, that's a, that's a question that a lot of people have, right? Mm-hmm. Is that is that can Catholics be saved? Right? That's yeah. a question. That it's comes a, and up. that's a big question. Are there any people in the Catholic Church who are really genuinely saved? And I would say the answer to that is yeah. I'm sure there are. I think so too. Yeah, because the thing is, you got to understand, they're still believing in the same Jesus. In the correct Jesus. They, they are. Believe they believe in, in the, the real Trinity. Jesus. It's not like Mormonism where they believe in a fictitious right. Jesus. And that's why we got it. We have to clarify here mm-hmm. that, that they are, that's why I was saying earlier, they're so close to the truth that it's mm-hmm. like they're, they have the gospel, right? Yeah. It just, it's, there's some issues in there. There's all this other stuff that gets thrown into it. Well, this is the danger too, I think. I think that there are a lot of Catholics who read the Bible and Mm -hmm. who know what it says and who are taught truth. Sure. um, And they believe in Jesus, but they also believe they have to do all this other work to get there. Yes. So that becomes not an abundant life, not my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That becomes a burdensome life of guilt and shame and trying to earn favor with your dad when you're already his kid. Like how crazy would it be for my kids to, to be, you know, uh, First of all, they're all little. They're whole, yeah. they're not very good at chores, <laughs> right. right? They're not very good at cleaning. They're not. They're sure. not. They're little kids. But yeah. how crazy would it be? And how much would it break my heart if my son Cohen, if he was you know scrubbing the baseboards of my bathroom with a toothbrush, and I said, Cohen, what are you doing? And he said, Oh, I'm just trying to work really hard so I can be your son. I would say, You are you are my son. It's not about you working to. Be that you, that's who you are. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I'm just you know one day you know one day I hope I hope that I could really be your kid. 
I hope, right. Can you imagine how sad that would be to me and how, how incorrect that would be for him? Yeah. But there's a lot of Christians, people who are going to heaven when they die, who believe that. Well, I just got to prove it. I just got to work hard enough. No, it's not about your work. It's about what he has made you through right. your trust in him. Right. And if you're born again, you're a son or you're a daughter. So I agree with you. I think there's a lot of Roman Catholics mm. who are saved because they trust in Jesus. Now they add all this other works on top of it, but that doesn't mean that they're, they still don't trust in the genuine Jesus. Well, and this is the question that a lot of people have. And I, I, there's a lot of people in, in my camp theologically who would say, you have to believe that it's Christ alone sure, sure. to be saved. And, um, I think that it is true that it is Christ alone who saves. I agree. Do you have to believe in the alone part in order to be saved? That's yeah. that's a that's question, question I have. Yeah. Yeah, like basically saying, uh, can a Catholic, by believing in Christ and saying like this, my belief in him is what gives me salvation, but I also need to work for it, the also works what, basically what we're arguing for, does the works part matter if they're still believing in the one true Christ? Does That's the, works, the question. W- does the belief M- that their works in, contribute yes. disqualify them from heaven? Thank you. That's a good way of putting That's it. That's the so question there, that there I've had for a long time. Because this is what I think. is As I read scripture, I believe it teaches that you're saved through Christ alone. Right. For sure. I'm with you on that. Do I have to believe that it's him alone? Mm. Or if I'm trusting in him, the person, is that enough even though I have mistaken ideas? Because I do think it's mistaken to believe that it's works-based. But do we add the work that you have to believe it's minus works? Yeah, right? That And that's, yeah. and, and I could be wrong about this. And well, yeah, I'm of still course. thinking through it, but sure. it seems like that's adding something to belief in Jesus. Right, and it, obviously we've talked about this. A lot of Catholics don't um, investigate their beliefs. Sure. So, so sure, like we don't think that this is a consensus that all Catholics could be saved. I think that there's a lot I of Catholics are, who aren't saved. I would agree with that. And I think there's that. a lot of Catholics that are saved. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The the, the yeah. problem is, is the teachings of the church keep people pretty far away from Jesus. Yes. That's yeah. the danger of it. It's it's front-loaded with, hey, you got to do all this work, that it might keep people from ever getting mm. to believe in Jesus. But I think there are a lot of Catholics who do believe in Jesus. And I'll tell you something else. I'm very thankful that it's not up to me to figure out who's a Christian and who's not. Mm. Because yeah. Jesus knows who is, and his sheep know his voice, right? Yeah. And it's not up to me to decide who's in and who's out. I trust the guy. I yeah. trust that he knows. Um, but yeah, I do think that faith in Jesus is enough to save you, no matter what other beliefs you have that might be wrong. Yeah, and what you get in the way, yeah. Yeah, but if I'm putting confidence in the flesh, it's wrong. If I'm putting confidence sure. in my work, it's stupid. Like, it's not scriptural, um, and it's not how you're saved at all. You're saved yes, by belief in Jesus right. alone. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the key there. And so, mm-hmm. um, but in general, uh, yeah, if you have any more questions too on the topic that we discussed today uh, that you want us to clarify more, or if you have anything that you'd like to add, please feel free to send us a message on yeah. social media platforms. Um, well, I know there's some former Catholics or some yeah, current Catholics yeah. who are seeing these posts, and, and our goal here isn't to um, 
berate or be mean to people who who believe in Jesus and who are fellow Christians. Oh, no, yeah. But we want to say, what does Scripture say? Because the Pope's not our authority, and church tradition is not our authority. Scripture's our authority. So let's go to the Word of God, and let's mine what it says, Yeah. because it says it for a reason. And I don't think John could have been any more clear as to the means of salvation. And it's through belief, it's through faith in Christ alone, and Paul reiterates, it's not about mm, your works, yeah. it's not you contributing at all, it's Jesus' work alone right. that paid it all for us. So we don't want to be contentious, and we don't want to cause you know dis- disputes, but this is a big deal. Oh, it H- is. How you get saved is a big deal. The clarity of the gospel is a big deal. Yeah, and we need to know this, because again, that's our goal on this podcast, is to be able to uh, equip Christians, be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Yeah. And a part of that is understanding all aspects of Christianity, and yes. that includes Roman Catholicism. And so it's yes. trying to understand the differences are what matter most. And that's what we were discussing. And we've discussed that a lot on this podcast is that we need to be uh, focused on what Jesus said is the way to salvation. Yes. What came directly from him. Uh, Not what the church tells us, not what Robbie and I tell you. Yeah. Go to the scriptures. Uh, Yeah. Like this is, this is something that has to come from Christ alone. Yep. And And if we, if we don't understand, if we don't understand clearly how to get saved, how can you tell other people how to do it? Yeah. You can't, because <laughs> uh, you're gonna you're gonna front load it with. Well, listen, you need to repent of your sin, and you need to, no, you don't. Mm. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus that He's the Christ, He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that by believing, you have eternal life. That's it. That's how you're born again. That's how you become a child of God. It's not about all these other. Mm. Ask me into your heart. Repeat these words after me. Say a prayer. Repent. No, it's not about that at all. John doesn't use the word repent anywhere. It's not about that. Right. So doing penance isn't a means of salvation. Um, now, there's, a, there's, there's what is repentance. All these questions are great, and mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about that in another podcast, but that's not how you become a child of God or how you're born again. We need to understand it clearly so we can tell it to other people, but we also need to understand it clearly so that this works-based salvation doesn't creep back into Protestant doctrines. Yeah. And that's a danger I've been seeing in certain circles is they kind of effectually believe in works-based salvation because mm-hmm. if you don't do enough work, then you probably weren't a Christian in the first place. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And that is a dangerous belief because my assurance goes right out the window with that. Yeah, a lot of people will say that. If you're not living out the Christian life and the Christian walk as someone who's a professed believer, were you ever saved in the first place? And that, yeah. that becomes a work-based belief, which again, we can talk about that yep. further. But the, um, in general, thank you so much for being with us again on this episode of Christ Culture and Coffee. Um, again, we hope this uh, episode was beneficial to you. Uh, again, this whole series was put together because of listeners and followers like you uh, messaged us and said, "Hey, we want you to unpack Catholicism, and yeah. that's and so uh, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. Uh, and if you're not already, please go ahead and follow us on our social media accounts. Uh, follow us on Spotify or Apple Music, so you could get regular updates on when we upload things. And subscribe to us on YouTube because again, uh, we've mentioned a lot, but obviously we are on YouTube, and we want you to join us on there because we're uh, about to move forward with some more projects and videos to come out soon in the future. And so we're super excited and looking forward to that. Yep. Thanks so much for being with us today and use the scriptures. Use what we've talked about to help people see truth and to understand who Jesus really is. We have to go based on what he says, not based on what other people say. Because if he rose from the dead, we probably should trust what he says, right? Well, hey, thanks for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll be back next week to continue our series in Roman Catholicism. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.